The opinions expressed on this podcast are not meant to be disseminated as medical advice. If you need additional clarification or have questions, consult a mental health professional in your area. Hello, and welcome to 10 Minutes to Save Your Marriage, the podcast where a comedy writer, that's me, and a psychologist, shh, that's me, <laughs> podcaster. See, I, it's, it's dramatic, James. I'm, I'm going for high drama. Are you high Batman? Like Kristen Are... Bale doing Batman. Okay, yeah. I actually got the reference, sort of. I, that might be your least terrible impression ever, only because I couldn't <laughs> see you. But the podcast where we try to solve your long-running relationship issues in 10 minutes or less. How, how are you doing tonight, Steve slash Batman? I am like Christian Bale in The Fighter, except the opposite. I didn't lose 60 pounds to play this role tonight. I gained 60. And so here I am. I am full character actor. I gained 200 pounds on the other end of this microphone here. But anyway, (laughs) let's get to the question. I have a a question that I am not sure who else to ask. I have a six-year-old who is hyperactive and has OCD. I also have a one-month-old. Both are boys. I believe that the age gap, uh, believe that the age gap, and with the six-year-old having OCD, that it would be better for him to have his own room. My husband thinks sharing a room would be fine. Can you settle this argument for us? All right, Steve. Short and to the point. Take it away. This is uh, her question: Is should he have his own room? Is that correct? Yes. Should the boys share a room or have separate rooms? I'm curious about a six-year-old and OCD. Like uh, that, the the reason that it's relevant to me, James, is that kind of anxiety at that young of an age has a strong genetic component to it, unless there's trauma in the six-year-old's life. If the six-year-old, and by the way, I don't know how you call him hyperactive without treating the OCD first. Like the OCD may be driving some of that uh, hyperactivity, some of that impulsivity, some of that distractibility, but in any case, the reason I bring the genetic component up is I wonder if part of what dad is reacting to is mom might be wound a little tight also when it comes to anxiety. And dad might be overreacting and thinking, oh, there she goes again. That doesn't make it a bad idea. That might be a dynamic issue between husband and wife. Having said all that, that's sort of irrelevant to her question. If the kid truly is OCD, whether there's another human being in the room with him or not is sort of irrelevant because he will find things to be concerned about. Obviously, the number goes way up if there's a, when he's 10, his brother, I didn't say if it was a boy or a girl, his sibling, I'm assuming it's a brother if they're going to share a room, his brother will be four, and a four-year-old is going to ruin the life of a 10-year-old with OCD. So eventually, I think it will be a good idea. For now, if it's a sleep issue that his... um, not sleeping well might drive up the symptoms or the the expression of the symptoms then yeah get the one month old out of his room uh little kids like one year olds two year olds uh, they can either sleep like they're dead or they're not going to sleep very well at all and that may drive the six and then seven and eight year old nuts so anyway all of that to say It may be better to err on the side of caution and just say, if we have the square footage, let's split the kids up. If we have another kid, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Or six-year-old may have been treated and have some of the symptoms reduced by then. I don't think it's the worst thing in the world to have them share a room if you don't have the square footage. So I would also address, if there is something going on between you and husband that you're not able to resolve this between the two of you, it might be that uh, there's sort of an eye roll on his part whenever you make a suggestion and that would be need 
that would need to be dealt with. But anyway, I'll just repeat uh, my bottom line again, James. If you have the square footage, split them up. If you don't, it's not the end of the world to keep them together. I am going to uh, well, somewhat agree, I guess. I, As you know, as Steve will point out from time to time, I have 95 kids right now. And I grew up in a house of 95 kids, yeah. some, some, somewhere in there. <laughs> So when I was in college, I had my my uh, my youngest brother at the time. He was by the end of college, he was not my youngest brother. He had been replaced by an even younger brother. Uh, but he was three. I had a three-year-old living in my closet when I was away at college. And when I was away for nine months a year, he had the whole room to himself. And when I came back, he retreated to the closet, which he called his room. Now it was there was no door on the closet. It was basically just a partitioned part of a bigger room. But nonetheless, you know, there, that was a significant age gap. I was you know nineteen, twenty. He was was three and we made it work i think being inconvenienced by a younger sibling or being a younger sibling and being inconvenienced by an older sibling is a critical life skill i guess regardless of any other diagnoses because at some point we're all going to end up sharing space with other people whether it's a dorm room an apartment a house when you get married or have a permanent roommate whatever you do we just never have as much space as we want and we always end up living with other people uh, even if the six-year-old does have ocd chances are he's going to have to share space with other people as he gets older, even if it's just, you know, coexisting in a classroom or wherever else. So I don't know that having a small child in that room is necessarily uh, going to hurt him that much. I mean, he's, these are still going to be coping skills he has to develop, and it's going to be a lot harder than him because he has this disability. Uh, at the same time, having the baby in the room with another child is awesome. You've kind of got an alarm system there. If something goes really wrong, that child's going to get used to sleeping through noise. Uh, it, it, there's just all sorts of benefits. I'm, I'm a big fan of inconveniencing children early and often and this is a great chance to do that but if everything does go south it is easier so i don't know what your housing situation is but assuming you one of the reasons your husband wants to uh have them share a room is because that's that's the space you have now and if you want them to each have their own room you have to move why not start them out in the same room and see how it goes? And if it's an absolute disaster, you can change your mind. Uh, it's not like you have to commit to a course for the rest of their lives right now. I mean, you're going to have these kids for years and years and years. So, you know, <laughs> put them in there, see how it goes. And maybe things are fine before the baby can walk. And by the time the baby can walk, maybe things aren't fine anymore. And they each need their own space or however it works out. Uh, but you have the chance to do this. And uh, and reevaluate as you go. Don't feel like you have to make this huge situation, you know, decision for the next twelve years of the six year old's life and the next eighteen years of the of the baby's life right at this moment. You know, just play it by ear and figure it out. And if you know three months in, this is just not working out, you can say, "Hey, we tried it your way, husband, and uh, the data's in. It is not working. Get out that house listing and let's find someplace else." And your argument would actually be strengthened. So, yeah, I think uh, I think the best way to do this is to slow play it, build the data, and uh, if you have to move, you'll have your case made for you. There is research that says kids sleep better when there's a sibling in the room because it, nobody sleeps completely soundly all night. You kind of turn a little bit and uh, wake up a little bit. And if kids are wired kind of tight, when they wake up a little bit, their switchboard turns on and they're wide awake. But if you can sort of half wake up and you hear your brother like just breathing next to you or across the room, like there's another person in the room, that can be soothing. And that can have kids just kind of roll over, go back to sleep again. So that may actually work out to your favor. But James, I'm surprised we actually share something in common developmentally. When I was 15, 
my one-year-old brother had to move into the room with me because there were two bedrooms and four boys, and that was just the way the, the middle two boys had lived together forever. So when the, the youngest was born, uh, it didn't make sense to split up the two middle ones, so the youngest one moved in with me. And I do agree that learning resilience early can pay dividends because I, I can sleep through anything nowadays and tune anything out that I need to. And I think that's much more adaptive than folks that grew up in like a plastic bubble. And now if someone slams a car door two miles away, they're wide awake and complaining. <laughs> you, I think you had it a little bit rougher than I did. So at 15, you still had several more years to go at home. So you had that. <laughs> I was, you know, I was kind of in and out by that point. So I wasn't inconvenienced as much. Uh, yeah. I sometimes forget that there's other people in your family. I kind of always view you as like a one-off, you know, abomination, like a pod person or something. And the fact that there are other people like you related to you by blood, I mean, that's enough to keep you up at night. That's There's no no soothing breathing of a sibling right there to lull me back to sleep. That is, that's going to keep me up all night. Uh, my Actually, my youngest sibling was, uh, I was 22 when he was born. And uh, I was like a month from graduating college. And that one... Um, yeah, I never shared a room with that one, so I, I lucked out there. By then, I was yeah, moving yeah. out, and I had to cohabitate with my wife and do all that stuff. And that was a whole other yeah. different adventure. But, yeah, so we actually – I guess we do have a similar experience. Uh, maybe that's not the best way to convince the letter writer because if you look at both of us <laughs> – I I don't know that either of us is a shining example of how you want your child to turn out, but uh, you take that for what it's worth. <sighs> Well, I, indeed, but we've got a podcast, James. <laughs> I mean, we we have two podcasts. Look at us <laughs> making equally zero dollars at both of them, <laughs> tearing up the world. Whoo! Well, if you would like to add, all right. If you would like to add to our non-profitable empire, send in your question to James Breakwell at explodingunicorn.com. That's exploding unicorn with the e. It doesn't have to be a marriage question. It can be between platonic friends, parent, child, coworkers, whatever you've got. Uh, send and if you want to know what an oxymoron is, we'll give it a try. Not lucrative empire. I yeah. like that. <laughs> there are lots of broke empires around. That's <laughs> look at. Rome. Anyway, <laughs> this has been another episode of 10 Minutes to Save Your Marriage, and that's 10 minutes of your life you'll never get back.